Chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were ahungered, and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he was ahungered, and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God, and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath, and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy, and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. To be Lord of the Sabbath, to be greater than the temple, to offer yourself as being guiltless, meant you were God. The Lord gave the people of Israel the Sabbath to keep, and those that didn't keep the Sabbath were put to death. He gave the Jews the temple to come and worship him, and those that didn't come to worship him would be defiled and sometimes even cut off. To be blameless meant you were sinless. Seven times Muhammad was told in the surahs to repent. But in John 8, Christ says, Which of you convicteth me of sin? And the response was zero. Nobody could say a word against that claim, that statement. He invited it. He said, okay, which of you condemns me as a sinner? Nothing was said. They couldn't because he was without sin. He became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Also, David here is held up as a literal king from the Old Testament. And he says, have you not read in the law? Scripture cannot be broken. So when people say that David didn't live, he didn't rule, he didn't reign, discard it. Here, Christ is upholding David as an Old Testament king. Christ was a Bible believer. He was a literalist. He points to Noah, Moses, and now he's pointing to David. And later he would point to Jonas as well. 9. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days, that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Jesus would have had no time for these animal liberation people. Man is made in the image of God. Animals are subservient to mankind. That doesn't mean that mankind should treat animals badly. They shouldn't torture animals. But here he is saying that man is better than a sheep. Man is better than an animal. 
Adam spoke to the animals, named them. That was the privilege that God gave man, the first man, the first Adam, the first person to walk on the earth. That was the privilege bestowed upon him. But like I say, man is made in the image of God, whereas an animal isn't made in the image of God. And when an animal dies, it goes into the ground. When a man dies, he goes into the ground. But if he's lost, his soul goes to hell. If he's saved, his soul goes to be with the Lord. Much greater privilege, much greater accountability, a much higher level of exaltation. Because man is made in the image of God. 13. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it forth, and it was restored, whole, like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out, and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. Counsel, when it's found in the Bible, is always in a negative manner. The word counsel always has a negative connotation. Just go through church history and look at all the councils and most of the time what that would entail would be bloodshed. The Council of Trent anathematized people like myself, former Catholics, with over 125 curses. And a curse in the eyes of a Catholic on somebody like myself would mean eternal damnation. It's never a good thing here. This council is going to come together to destroy him. That's the folly of man. These people thought they knew more than God. They thought they could thwart God. Foolishness. And yet through middle knowledge, through the Old Testament prophets, they saw this was going to happen and they wrote it down. But these people living in time didn't really believe the Old Testament, didn't really understand the power and sovereignty of God. And therefore they are going to fall through their folly. 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment unto the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoke and flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Those that wanted to be healed were healed, but here the Lord isn't going to be a Malcolm X, a Sheikh Guevara, or a Gandhi, or a Martin Luther King character. He's not coming for revolution, he's coming for restoration. He's coming to make dead people alive from within. He's not coming to cause riots, sit-down protests, or terrorist activities. He said, if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. The powers to be are ordained of God. That's yet another reason why the Jews didn't receive him and still don't receive him because they wanted him to come and overthrow the Romans and set up his literal Davidic king. He will, second coming. The first coming, he came as the son of Joseph to suffer. 
but the second coming he comes as the son of David to rule and reign. 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. Time and time again the devils know who he was. They said, Have you come to torment us? You are the Holy One. Every unclean spirit in the Bible affirmed the deity of Christ. In fact, there are very, very few atheists in the Bible. There are no atheists in hell today. You have to be trained not to believe in God. You have to be indoctrinated to suppress your conscience and turn away from the knowledge of God. Everybody has a conscience. That conscience points back to the Creator. I was able to have a conversation just a few days ago with a very open-minded Darwinist and uh, this chap was also a scientist and he said to me that he believed in the philosophy of Christ but he couldn't receive Christ as his own personal saviour and we spent about 20 minutes or so on the streets going back and forward and I said to him that you have a conscience and that conscience tells you when you do wrong and when you die you will give an account of yourself based on your conscience so people who haven't heard of the Lord Jesus those who haven't got a Bible those who cannot read or write that really makes no difference because their conscience convicts them when they do wrong that comes from heaven so nobody is going to escape the judgment of God but here this wonderful passage tells us that those that came to be healed were healed and the unclean spirits speak because they know who Christ was they know who he is like I say there's no secularism there's no agnosticism in scripture all these spirits are very religious but as I say you have to be educated away from this when you go to college and also into university especially if you live in the United Kingdom 23 and all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. That is a disgusting and revolting slur against Jesus Christ. How these people had the audacity to make such an incredulous statement is beyond me. Everything he said and did was for God's glory. He lived a very simple life. But you see, this is the problem with organized religion. Organized religion fears people like Jesus. Because in their minds, if people follow him, they won't need the priests and the collars and the mitres. They won't need these great reverence, these great PhDs, these great scholars. They won't need to read their books. They won't need to buy their DVDs. They won't need to go to their church services, their speaking engagements. They won't need to be involved with their activities they will simply come to the Messiah to be saved and fall at his feet and therefore these people are wicked they are depraved and they have also been spoken of in other parts of the New Testament as having wicked and depraved hearts but here they are saying that he Christ has come from the prince of the devils Beelzebub the devil himself that is going to feed into the unpardonable sin let's read on 25 and Jesus knew their thoughts he is omniscient he's also omnipotent and he's omnipresent 
Again, the three characters of deity here. He knew their thoughts. Only God knows the thoughts of man. One more time. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. Different levels of heaven, different levels of hell. Also, it should be obvious that the devil isn't going to divide himself. He's not going to seek to divide his kingdom. It makes little sense to suggest that Christ is working through the powers of the devil and yet he's preaching against the devil but uh, it was clear to the Lord but it clearly wasn't clear to the Pharisees 28 but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God the Holy Ghost then the kingdom of God is come unto you or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house he that is not with me is against me and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad you find a similar theme in i think it's john's gospel when john himself wants to call fire down from heaven to consume the unbelieving samaritans and jesus said no i've come to save men not to destroy men and here He's saying, if you're not with me, then you are against me. And therefore, you may as well scatter abroad, do your own thing. But again, he was preaching a diametrically opposed message to what the ungodly kings would have preached in the Old Testament. Everything he did set him apart from all of the ungodly kings and also set him apart from the godly kings in the Old Testament. Isaiah told us that he would come to sharpen the law magnify the law that he did but again these people are not right with the lord they are not god's people as it were therefore what he's saying to them is foolishness because the preaching of the cross is foolishness you cannot perceive the things of god until you are born again hence why you need to be saved but you need to humble yourself first of all in order to be saved and then to receive more light from heaven or else you remain in darkness, and this message goes right over your head. 31. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Every sin that ever has been committed and will ever be committed can be forgiven. Christ came to save sinners. But the sin against the Holy Ghost won't be forgiven because the Holy Ghost, as the third member of the Godhead, was driving Jesus. He was empowering Jesus. So to have a perpetual rejection, to continue to slur the reputation and slander the ministry of the Holy Spirit, would put you into eternal damnation, because ultimately you are not coming to the Saviour in order to be saved. You are standing with your arms folded and you are thumbing the Lord really you are 
refusing to bend the knee and therefore there's no forgiveness of your sins 32 and whosoever speaketh a word against the son of man it shall be forgiven him but whosoever speaketh against the holy ghost it shall not be forgiven him neither in this world neither in the world to come i don't believe that anybody can commit the unpardonable sin today i've always believed that this was only applicable to those living in the first century paul said he was the chief of sinners and was saved if he was saved and he was then i believe anybody can still be saved if they come to the lord on his terms not your terms but here he's dealing with a perpetual hardness among a religious elite who saw him who witnessed him who assessed him who saw all of the miracles who saw all of the transformed lives and yet still wouldn't bend the knee and receive him therefore their accountability their light their exposure to christ was far greater than anybody else hence why they go to hell because they didn't want to receive him and yet nicodemus was a pharisee joseph of arimathea was a member of the sanhedrin and was saved therefore people did still get saved among these people this group of people but he's really crying out to his people to repent he's saying come to me i am the bread from heaven i am the lamb of god i am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me it's my way or no way that's what he's saying time and time again 33 either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt for the tree is known by his fruit O generation of vipers how can ye being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh vipers evil there's nothing here to suggest any meek and mild characteristics from the lord he called a spade a spade these were wicked evil people and he said so 35 a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things a good man in calvinism doesn't exist but here a good man is found in scripture not all people are as wicked as others not all people are as good as others but here there are two groups of people a good man and an evil man and it goes back to the seventh chapter that a false teacher will bring forth no good fruit depraved fruit and they will be noticeable they will be highlighted and they should be spotted by the good man the person who is saved who's going to grow in grace and be victorious 36 but i say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment that's a feedback to 31 and 32 dealing really with the unpardonable sin which starts in 23 but also it can be applied to anybody living today that what you say in darkness will be exposed in the light 37 for by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned when you confess christ as your savior you are saved when you deny him you are condemned 38 then certain of the scribes and of the pharisees answered saying master we would see a sign from thee they've had signs left right and center 
and yet they still didn't believe for the most part. Hence why he is going to say what he says in 39. And he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. David's being held up as a literal Old Testament character. Now Jonah has been held up as a literal Old Testament character. Three days and three nights he goes into the whale's belly, which is a type of what the Lord is going to do. I won't get into the actual day that he goes into the ground. All I know for sure is he came up the first day of the week, which has always been Sunday. 41. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation, and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. 6. He's greater than the temple. 8. He's Lord of the Sabbath. 41. He's greater than Jonas. This is all leading up to his crucifixion. To claim all these things once again meant he was the Lord. He put himself on par with God the Father. He wasn't God the Father. He is God the Son, but he claims equality with God the Father. And also the people of Nineveh repented at Jonah's preaching. 42. The Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. He's building up. He's constantly building up on these great Old Testament leaders claiming to be greater than all those people. Sheba came to meet Solomon and she brought gifts with her to meet her Jewish counterpart. That's an Old Testament picture of somebody in authority visiting somebody else in authority. New Testament, God comes to earth seeking man. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Old Testament, God comes looking for Adam. Adam doesn't come looking for God. God comes looking for Adam. He's on a search and rescue mission. 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation, Israel. If the people of Israel wanted to restore themselves without the new birth, without receiving the Messiah, they would be worse off than they were previously. Again, this goes back to light, revelation, different levels of heaven, different levels of hell. This doesn't have any application, I believe, to somebody who tries to restore themselves after receiving the Holy Spirit and then backslide and be indwelt by more spirits worse than the previous spirit. That's not what this means because once you are saved, you are saved, you are sealed and your spirit is already in heaven with the Lord anyway. The Holy Ghost lives within you. He can be grieved, he can be quenched, but you can't apply this, I believe, to a backslidden saved Christian. This is applied really to Israel, those who wouldn't bend the knee. 46. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren 
stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother, and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. The will of the Father is to believe on Christ as the Saviour, as the Messiah, and trust him in order to be saved. That's the will of God, found clearly in John chapter 6.